0: Man, what you want to do? You feel like going down and catching some basketball? Oh, yeah, and the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans. Woo, I want to see them. Yeah, pelicans. I like going they're to They're going the up down yeah, there. Yeah, the boys big too. What you think we can sit courtside? Well, I can't sit no courtside. I'm up in the nose, Where you know. think? You want to be upstairs or downstairs? Downstairs, they got waiters to waiters. on. Let me tell you, upstairs, though, you get the jumbo fries. Ooh, yeah. And I'll be looking at the scoreboard when they run it up, baby. Oh, well, you know they're going to score. Yeah, You know they're going to score Let's up the pelicans. It's That's all right. about getting some points the basket. Let's go, y'all! Let's get down there and see them, boys! Let's do this! Welcome to another episode of Pelican Crew Podcast. I am your host. Kevin Fontenot, thank you for joining me. I know it's been a while, and since we've been gone, the New Orleans Pelicans had a disappointing end to the season, going 31 and 41, finishing 11th in the West, and uh, missing the play in, let alone the playoffs. Uh, we got another coach fired. Stan Van, Van Gundy uh, lasted a whole eight months in his tenure. Uh, and uh, since then, we've hired a new coach, and we've made some pretty decent offseason moves. But this falls on David Griffin. This is the offseason of David Griffin. Mr. Won't Bow Down Himself, Mr. Family, Mr. Promises, Mr. We're going to come in here and kick everybody's asses. According to J.J. Redick, he's a liar. a story for another day because uh, Drew Holiday, after he won his championship with Milwaukee Bucks, said the New Orleans Pelicans did him right. I tend to believe Drew Holiday, my deal with J.J., brother, I'm sorry. Uh, You just didn't have value. Unfortunately, in the NBA, if you're a shooter and you can't shoot, it's hard to get off your contract. I know you wanted to be traded earlier in the year when you saw where the direction the team was going, but the team was very, very young. That's what happens, man. I'm sorry. Drew Holiday, love you, brother. Glad you got a championship. So Stan Van Gundy is fired. So the New Orleans Pelicans now are are basically going to be paying uh, another coach along with Willie Green, their new hire, who I think um, even without coaching, head coaching experience, I mean, he can't do any worse. On paper last year, Stan Van Gundy being hired looked like a good hire. The team needed some direction. They needed defense. So David Griffin decides to hire Stan Van Gundy who's got a track record for defense had a above 500 record as a uh, winning percentage, as a, as a head coach on paper, looked like a good hire, but that's the story of David Griffin. He puts out these promises, says he's going to do these things. And to be honest with you, I, I'm cautious uh, this off season, even though we'll get into it. I think, and so far he's he's doing a pretty decent job. But especially last year, he started to sound like the guy from Peach Dragon, you know what I'm talking about? the elixir salesman who couldn't pronounce Passamaquoddy. I forget the guy's name. I'm gonna date myself. but if you watch the original Disney's Peach Dragon, you know what I'm talking about. It's a musical. That's okay. I'm not ashamed. I love that show. It's the best Disney movie out there. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. The original Peach Dragon. I'm talking about the guy who turned the old man in the movie, uh, who looks more like Kenny Rogers, turns his hair purple. I mean, not purple, pink. Turned his hair pink. That's the guy David Griffin right now is reminding me of. Oh, just the snake oil salesman. Just the worst used car salesman you could think of preaching family, and throwing J.J. Reddick to the Wolves. But (laughs) never mind. But so far this offseason, with the grumblings that either Zion's not happy or his family's not happy and wants him out of New Orleans after two seasons, one season which he didn't even play, with a super young team, with COVID. That's right. I'm not going to put... 100% on Stan Van Gundy. Obviously, he didn't connect with the players last year. not going to rehash an episode we we had uh, earlier last season when we talked about let's get real with last season's 2020-2021 New Orleans Pelicans that they weren't a playoff team, that whatever David Griffin was selling to us was bonk. Whatever Stan Van Gundy was selling to those players, they weren't even hearing it. And you saw it. Uh, specifically, especially towards the end of the year with Brandon Ingram, I think that's where a lot of the problem was. Ingram cashed out, and I'll tell you this: I, I've had my issues with uh, Ingram cashed out on the defensive end. Specifically, let me let me clarify that because he's a beast offensively. I mean, to be honest with you, we've got probably one of the top duos in the league offensively with Brandon Ingram. And, and Zion Williamson, and if you go through the statistics, it'll bear that. They are very good uh, offensively. And so far, especially with the draft last night, I'm hoping that that's going to be the trend on the type of player we put around him. But I digress. My problem with, especially the Lakers guys that come over, especially what I saw last year, as I'm not 100% sold that they're winners. I understand Stan Van Gundy was a hard person uh, person to deal with. I understand that the COVID situation and how they were tested, the lack of practice, whatever, was a hard thing to deal with, especially for young players. But but everybody in the league was dealing with that. And my thing is, is if you look at winners, winners in the league, it doesn't matter who's coaching there's a certain mentality that you'll see. Um, The one characteristic of winners is that they absolutely hate to lose. And for uh, Brandon Ingram especially, Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart to a certain extent, that's not the feel I get from them, that the losses didn't pain them as much. You see that a little bit with Zion, but he was only not even a full season in um, to his NBA career, I mean, it wasn't until this past season that he played a full 82 games that that losing really hurt them. So I'm hoping that corrects going forward, and it's a reason why I'm not going to be that sad if we lose Lonzo Paul and we lose Josh Hart. In fact, the more I think about it, as his offseason gets kicked off, which begins Monday at about 6 o'clock, uh, PM, the more that I think about it, with the guys that we've we've added, I'm not sure if it, it would be reasonable to pay Josh Hart the 10 15 mil uh that he's owed. Especially when you got guys on the roster like Najee Marshall, a taller version of Josh Hart at 6'7, he can shoot the ball the same. My problem with Josh Hart is not I love the guy. I love how he embraced the city. I love his work ethic on the court. But my problem is he's an undersized rebounder who's a slightly above average defender, if that. But he can't shoot threes. He can't even shoot corner threes. And my problem is is we're in a make-or-miss league. As much as you want to preach defense, and defense is important, especially in the playoffs. You saw that this past finals with Phoenix and Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm going to tell you this, as good of a defense that the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks had, and they had a very good defense, especially during the playoffs, if Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton don't start hitting shots in that finals, they don't win. The big difference between the Phoenix Suns in those last couple of games and the Milwaukee Bucks is that the Phoenix Suns stopped hitting shots it's a make or miss league. It's just not a cliche they keep saying on ESPN's The Jump. If you watch that show, it's a make or miss league. You got to hit shots, and that's my problem uh, with Josh Hart. He's a below-average three-point shooter. You could probably get the same production out of Najee Marshall as you can Josh Hart, uh, with slightly better defense, to be honest with you. Uh, from the from the times I saw Najee Marshall. At way less the cost, he can shoot a similar three-point, but he can shoot 32% from three. In the sample size that we saw at the end of last year, he was doing that. And he's only costing us one point whatever million dollars. He's not costing us $10 million. allow us to go out and get the shooters on the wings that we need. So that's kind of my thing with the Lakers players. And it's kind of with Lonzo Ball, what we have here, but we'll talk about that. He's get I don't know if Griffin's setting up, I know he set up the opportunity to re sign Lonzo Ball with the with the trade he made, which again, this is the off season of David Griffin. He has to win this offseason. He has to figure out how to put the New Orleans Pelicans in the playoffs and not just to play in this year, in the playoffs especially if he's going to put his hands all over this team. The reason – one of the big reasons he got rid of Stan Van Gundy, from what I understand, is because he wants a lot of say in personnel, in rotation, and how uh, that goes with um, the team throughout the season. And from what I understand, Stan Van Gundy didn't want to hear any of that, which I understand. He's a coach for a very long time. He probably doesn't – he probably didn't feel like – he needed the overbearing middle-managing uh, executive telling him what he needs to do with the personnel. I mean, that's probably something that probably could have rehashed in the interviews when they were interviewing Stan Van Gundy if that's the way David Griffin wanted it to go. And I understand why David Griffin put the roster together that he did, but it was terrible. He was trying to get defensive. He was trying to i guess do a 180 from the the gentry years and he did just he destroyed it last year which is a shining light that came out of it because the pelicans were still one of the top offensive teams even though they couldn't shoot threes and that was mainly from the strength of zion williamson who even with all those people in the lane still was shooting 60 percent from the field at the <laughs> at the rim and Brandon Ingram, who's just he's, – he's hes a tall bucket. That's all. That's what he does. He just gets buckets. So there's a big, big opportunity there. There's a big bright side to the terrible season last year. So, th- But this offseason is the season of David Griffin. He hires a, a head coach who's got no head coaching um, experience – Although he's getting Willie Green is getting glowing reviews across the league and everybody who's dealt with him and you know previous head coaches that he's worked under and and players that have been coached by him, which is great. But honestly, at first time head coaches typically they go through their struggles. So I'm hoping that David Griffin gives this guy, you know, some leash because it, it may take him a while, you know, to. Figure out just head coaching in general. I mean, as far as assistant coaches go, um some of the usual suspects are coming back. It seems like Fred Vincent's gonna stick around, which is awesome. Uh, and it's I, I hope they assign Fred Vincent as the head assistant. The guy deserves it. Again, the money that Lonzo Ball gets this offseason. Needs to go to Fred Vincent. And I think um, Teresa Weatherspoon is also still going to be on the roster and and a few other usual suspects. Uh, But it'd be interesting to see who else fills out the Willie Green roster. I mean, coaching roster. But David Griffin, again, the offseason of him. And his first move this offseason was very good, to be honest with you. He convinced Memphis to not only take on the large contracts of Eric Bledsoe who, who i had said in in talkings with with people in the crew and as well as on this podcast earlier in the year that getting off of Bledsoe's contract wasn't really going to be that difficult this season. He's owed 18 million this season but next season next season he's only guaranteed uh 3.5. So if a team like Memphis wants to buy him out this season and put him on the market, um, they can do that, and it won't affect their cap that, that bad. Or if they want to play with him, play him this season and waive him next season, they'll only owe him 3.5. So that's not a bad deal. But they also convinced Memphis to take on Stephen Adams' contract, which he's owed $17 million per year for the next two years. And then, on top of that, they sent back – Jonas Valanciunas, who is going to be a slight upgrade for Steven Adams. The problem with Steven Adams not that he was a bad defender. He was an excellent rebounder. He just was no threat to score even around the rim. I mean, there was times in last season, if you were watching the game, that Steven Adams was setting screens rolling to the gold. They were throwing him the ball. It was creating a turnover because the guy's looking for an offensive rebound, thinking that the guy's going to shoot. The guy didn't look to shoot. Valen Junis is a different story. Where You're still going to get the same rebounding production. Last year, he, he averaged 12.5 rebounds a game. He actually averaged 1.8 assists, which is pretty impressive for a big man. Plus like a, a block a game. He doesn't turn the ball over very often. But he put up 17 points a game last year. Shooting about 60% around the rim. He also shot 36% from 3 if you if you're looking for that. But don't don't think he's going to come in and be a stretch big. There's a possibility that he could. But but don't think that. That was only on like an attempt per per game or less than an attempt per game at 36%. But I mean that he shoots a very high percentage from the free throw line, averaging about 78% from the free throw line. So given enough attempts from the arc could he develop into a, a stretch big? Maybe. But the big thing is, is he's a taller defender than Steven Adams. He throws his weight around just as much, sets good screens. But from 5, 8, 15 feet out, he can hit a jumper. It's going to open up the lane for Zion Williamson and for Brendan Ingram a lot better than Steven, Steven Adams did. So, yeah, so we dump uh, Eric Bledsoe, dump Stephen Adams, get Jonas Valanciunas back, and all we have to do is swap our 10th pick for the 17th pick. And what did we do in the draft last night? Got exactly what we needed at 17. My man from the University of Virginia – Via Rice for two years. Trey Murphy the third. What you're looking at here is the prototypical guy that uh the Pelicans should be going after uh in the off season Length and can shoot. Trey Murphy the third is six nine two oh six. Needs about 10 15 more pounds on him, and he's gonna be a hell of a player. Got a long wingspan, seven-one wingspan. He's active on the defensive end. He was coached by that uh, UVA coaching staff, which runs, quite frankly, an antiquated offense, but disciplined defense. So he's going to have some dis- uh, defensive principles already built in. But the guy was the only 50-40-90 uh, player in all of college basketball last year. And if you don't know what that stat means, that means last season he was 50% from the field, shot 40% from three, and shot 90% from the free throw line. To get more specific, he was 50.3% from the field, 43.3% from three, 92.7% from the free throw line. For his career, he shoots right around 46% from the field, 40% from three, and 82% from the free throw line. This guy can fill it up. And at 6'9", he's going to be a mismatch out there as a 3 or as a 4. And, again, he's got defensive principles, and from the interview they had with him today, it looks like he is confident in guarding 1 through 4. That's what we need. In the offseason of David Griffin – so far, I'm cautiously optimistic. He's making some seriously good moves. So getting a guy like Trey Murphy at 17 instead of 10 is a pretty big deal. You're saving yourself roughly about $2 million a year. The second draft pick in the, in, in the uh, back half of the uh, – Second round, Herbert Jones. You may know the guy, especially if you follow LSU and you watched him. The guy's a defensive menace. He himself is 6'8". He's 210. So he's about the size uh, we want to get Trey Murphy up to. But he's he's a defensive menace. And to be honest with you, you're probably going to see him more in Birmingham with the squadron next year, especially for the beginning part of the year. He's not a very good shooter. Uh, he's an okay free-throw shooter. He does a good job on the offensive end facilitating, and he played a lot of point guard last year, a lot of point forward uh, with that Alabama Crimson Tide team. Uh, but he's not a very good shooter. Where he's going to help you is is rebounding and defense. He's a tenace- uh, tenacious defender. Uh, he's got long arms. Uh, he gets into passing lanes. He creates havoc. And I could see him later on in the season, next season, if the Pelicans are making a playoff push or they get into the playoffs and they just need um, a second unit disruptor. I can see them bringing Herb Jones in. Uh, but these are two guys that the Pelicans have drafted that are the prototypical uh, of what I would like to, to see them go after this offseason. Length. Um, and Herb Jones, notwithstanding, more Trey Murphy, shooting. Somebody could shoot from the mid-range and especially from three uh, to create some space for Brendan Ingram and Zion. Cause just just think about it. If Zion was able to fill up the bucket at 60% from right the rim with all that congestion, imagine how much pressure uh, is going to be put on a defense – if he's got a free lane to, to run through. And then if the guy progresses and develops a, a at least a mid-range jumper, a consistent mid-range jumper in this offseason, we're gonna be one of the top offensive teams in the league. You can book that. So so far, that's good. So so far, the offseason of David Griffin is rolling along um pretty well. And again I'm cautiously optimistic. Now what also was done with the trading of Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe to to Memphis is that the Pelicans actually created a ton of cap space. They could actually open up as much as like 36 million. And then there's some tricks in there where they could get it up to 41 million uh, in cap space. And the guy that the Pelicans have been tied to, um, which honestly, for three years, if we could get some production out of him, it would not be a bad deal. In fact, this would, this would give us a legitimate starting lineup. Uh, that, that guy is Kyle Lowry, who's going to hit the free agency market uh, this Monday at 6 p.m. Now, he's going to want a bag. He's going to want a serious bag. And from what I'm hearing, he's going to want anywhere from 25 to to 30 mil, uh, maybe a little bit more. And it's going to take that top end for the Pelicans to really convince him to come to New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans is not going to be a free agent destination. So although that would be great, and they keep talking about this Phoenix-Chris Paul effect with him, honestly, I don't think that's going to be the same deal. Uh, Kyle Lowry is a different player than than Chris Paul. Uh, the one thing he would give the Pelicans uh, is as a solid coach slash quarterback on the court, especially in crunch time uh, with our young guys. To be honest with you, we are a really young team, and that that maybe that lack of maturity is one of the reasons they didn't respond to uh, Stan Van Gundy very well, and the reason. All the COVID stuff w- was hard for them. So having a guy like Cal Lowry on the court would solidify these young guys. He's a guy who can, you know, guide the young players uh, in some of these these game day situations. It's kind of the, the heady veteran they can listen to. He's won a championship. If they can't listen to this guy on the court, then we got more problems than just millennials on the court. <laughs> for lack of a better term, but I, I don't. I'm not as confident that David Griffin can swing this because there's going to be a lot of suitors for Kyle Lowry in, in the free agency market. He's going to be able to pick where he wants to go. So I don't know. So I don't know if it, it's more feasible feasible to re-sign Lonzo Ball. We'll see in the next couple of days when free agency opens up what kind of market that is to see if a team like Chicago, a a team like um, New York, some of these teams that have been linked to Lonzo Ball is going to try to throw a bag at him and and take him away from the New Orleans Pelicans and see if the Pelicans would match that. But we'll see. Some other guys that the Pelicans have been linked to in in, in the rumors um, who may be a good fit, the Pelicans have been linked to Buddy Heald Buddy here was discussed in a trade with the, uh, a potential trade with the Lakers on draft night. The Lakers decided to go another route and traded away like three or four players for Russell Westbrook. And you want to see, I don't know how the Lakers get, are going to do this, but the, the Lakers, they're going to figure out how to do this. Um, Jeannie Buss is going to throw a bunch of money at the team. She prints money and they got to figure out how to do this. But to be honest with you right now, the Lakers have five guys on their roster uh, that amount for $130 million. and they've got to find a way to, to sign 10 more guys. You need 15 guys on your roster to make a complete roster in the NBA. And Just to let you know, I think the uh, hard cap in the NBA this season is right at $141 mil. That's right. Do the math. The Lakers have roughly 10, 11 mil to fill out 10 spots. Now, if they run close to that hard cap, uh, they can sign players for the vet minimum uh, to fill out the roster. So we'll see how much lore there is for vets looking to chase rings. You'll see the guys out there who are willing to take a severe pay cut just to go chase a ring. With LeBron James and Anthony Davis and uh, Russell Westbrick. Uh, excuse me, Westbrook. So we'll see. That's that's a that's a discussion we can have later on with the Lakers. That's actually just watch the offseason. This could be interesting for the Lakers. But for us, we have the space, and Buddy Healed was the guy that was that was linked to us. Uh, obviously, it looks like Sacramento's willing to get rid of him. Uh, there's a lot going on there because it doesn't seem like Darren Fox is is too happy with the uh, front office there. Uh, they've got a new front office, but they're still the Sacramento Kings. So, but there's potential for a sign and trade um, to get Buddy healed here here. And I know it may be going backwards since we traded him away and bringing him back, but it, he is a uh, plus thirty eight forty percent. Uh, A three-point shooter, he would slot in at that number two in our uh, starting lineup very well. Again, it's about space this offseason with the guys that we have. We want to try to get as many shooters around Zion uh, to create space. And I'll touch on the defense in a little bit, uh, but that's kind of where we're going. Another guy that probably is better than Buddy Heald that we've been tied to in a, another sign-in trade situation, um, would be sending an assigning trade Lonzo Ball to the uh, Indiana Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon. And a lot, of, a lot of the people out there who don't follow the NBA very much probably don't know about Malcolm Brogdon or never heard of his name, but he's a 50-40-90 basketball player in the NBA. He's a very creative um, – he can play point guard. He can play off-ball uh, player. He's a playmaker. Uh, he finds guys, and he's a very efficient shooter. He's above-average defender, and honestly, uh, of all the guys we're rumored to, I would be ecstatic if we could make that happen, if we can bring him from the Indiana Pacers because he's a very, very smart player, and if David Griffin – is true to his word now bear in mind we're talking about david Griffin. if he's true to his word that he's what he's looking for for this team in the offseason is iq toughness and shooting malcolm brogdon brogdon checks all the boxes on that the guy's a heady player he's tough and he can shoot the heck out of the ball and he's a point guard that you would want or off guard that you would want at the end of the ball game. So I hope that that's what happens. And as far as defense goes in this offseason, I'm going to tell you this, and I'll, I'll stick to this, and I've talked to a few of you guys um, you know, here and there when it comes to defense. The number one thing the Pelicans do can do to improve their defense is stop turning the ball over. And that'll help when you get better guard play, when you don't have players like Eric Bledsoe out there just not caring and just turning the ball over and creating live ball turnovers, or you don't have Alonzo Ball out there who, although can do it because he can see the floor very well, just chunking the ball up the court, you can control those turnovers. And when you control the turnovers, you're not backpedaling on the defensive end uh, creating easy looks for the offense. So limit those turnovers, and the defense will get better. The second thing is length. And you saw David Griffin kind of rectify that last year with the trade of uh, J.J. and moving Melly over there because he, he went after length uh, in that trade with Dallas, You know, pulling over James Johnson, who's a long guy, pulling over uh, Wessowundu. Obviously, we already had and uh, Gabriel uh, on the roster, and for some reason, we didn't play him. But outside of your point guard and your shooting guard and your center, who those sizes can, you know, obviously you want your center somewhere, anywhere from 6'9", six, 6'10", six, to 7 foot. And ideally, uh, I mean, you can have a shorter point guard, uh, but you you want, you know, six four, six five 6'5", on that shooting guard. But to be honest with you, Longer guys at 6'6, 6'7, 6'8 with long wingspans. Collectively, when you're playing a defense out there, they can get their hands up and get them in passing lanes, and you can create trouble for the offense. So those are those are my two uh ideas when you want to try to uh to help this defense out. So that is that's what's going on there um so far again david griffin fingers crossed uh hopefully has a better plan this 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 off season so it should be fun off season opens up august well monday whatever date that is i don't have a calendar in front of me but um it should be interesting and uh we'll see we'll see if the pelicans can swing Kyle Lowry. I'm not very competent. Uh, again, I put that out there. A sign and trade to get Malcolm Brogdon over here would be awesome. But until then, uh, hopefully I won't take as long to put up another podcast. Uh, if you liked it, please forward it over. Uh, I would certainly appreciate it to get more listeners out there. Uh, and until next time, uh, pretty excited. Silly season is here, folks, and let's go Pels.